There's too many people that are isolated in trying to do good work for God. They're all trying to figure out how to market Catholicism in a fresh way that actually engages people. But we tried it the first year, had tremendous success. It's exciting. I'm having fun. I'm meeting a lot of really great people. I have been to all of these shows over the last year, and by far this is my favorite. I want to emphasize the importance of what you're doing as lay apostles in the CMN. The Catholic Marketing Network has a service that the marketplace needs and the church needs. There's the distribution of a lot of Catholic religious items, but most of the people you talk to, they say, well, we really come for the networking. It's a great joy to be here. In fact, it was almost 10 years ago that I came to the Catholic Marketing Network for the first time. There was a friend and I putting out sacred music. St. Ignatius Press picked it up and they showcased us. and. Before you know it, we had sold 20,000 copies to people like you. And that sprung board a company that now has reach in about eight different countries. I found really good and you know very interesting because I like when people come from everywhere and we can learn a lot. We come to show something but they show us too, so that's, uh, that's an amazing. This is always one of my favorite, favorite, favorite events. I always love coming here and being here because it's, uh, it's such a synergy to be around like-minded people with the same ideals, the same love for the church. So it's beautiful. Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder, and it's wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us each and every week. And um, know that we thank you for tuning in most recently to our Beatitudes series, which we finished up uh, last week for you. And we are back, um, and better than ever, as uh, Mike and Mike always used to say on air, um, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and friend, Anne DeSantis. Anne, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Bill. It's great to be back. And I only say that in that this is, I think, our first podcast literally after your, your son, <laughs> Elvin, has been born. Yes. So again, I've said it so many times, but congratulations from all of us. Yeah, no, thank you. And it's uh, fatherhood is amazing. It's a, it's a wonderful joy. Um, it, it's such a beautiful thing. And so if you do hear him crying in the background, now there's a third person um, <laughs> in our apartment now. Um, and so if you do hear him uh, crying in the background, uh, not much I can do about it, folks. So, uh, but, it, but, it's a, but it's a joyful cry, I promise you that. That's right. And he is adorable. So keep an eye on social media if you want to see a picture of little Elvin Francesco on the I don't know if you have them on the Patchwork Heart Ministry YouTube. Uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, Facebook I don't think page, I have. But... I don't think I've done that part yet. <laughs> but, uh, but but hopefully uh, hopefully soon at some point we'll uh, introduce him to our audience as well. That's right. Yeah, good to be here. Now we're doing a two part series for this week, and it's just um, this Tuesday. Obviously, this tonight at six o'clock, and then we have another one this coming Thursday at six p.m. Eastern. 
and we're doing the two great commandments of, of Christ. And those two grand great commandments are number one, to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second one is also to love your neighbor as yourself. So tonight we're going to talk about that first one. Yeah, that's, you know, it's so important. I think, you know, we talk about just love that we really focus on those two commandments because they gather together, right? The entire law of of God, <laughs> you know, like like it sums everything up about what the Christian life is supposed to be like. To love God with your whole, uh, you know, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And I, I honestly think the second part of that, which we'll delve into on Thursday, is a lot harder than the one um, that we're going to be delving into today. Um, but yeah, I, you know, this is such an important topic. It really is. And I'm glad that we're doing it. I'm glad we did the Beatitude series. I'm glad that we did the four marks of the church. And I'm mentioning these because our audience might want to go back and listen to some of these other series that we did. Because most of the time, Bill and I interview guests, but we decided that we wanted to do some series just between the two of us, and especially as Bill was in the interim with uh, his wife, Agnes, having their son, Elvin, and taking a little time off before the baby was born. So so here we are on this night, and I thought we could start out with, if, if we could, Bill, I pulled up from Catholic Answers. This is actually from Catholic.com, from a priest by the name of Father Hugh uh, Barbour, and he gave a reflection, which he made from back in 2018. Now, he started it out with the first Sunday in Ordinary Time, year B for that year, and it is that reading which talks about these two commandments. He says, one of the scribes came to Jesus and asked him, which are the first of all the commandments, which is, excuse me, which is the first of all the commandments? Jesus replied, the first is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, well said, well said, teacher, you're right in saying he is one and there is no, no other than he. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered with understanding, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. That's from Mark 12, 28 to 34. And I'm going to also reflect when we talk a little bit about what this particular priest had to say about it, which I think is wise. But Bill, anything to, to add to this? I'm really glad uh, that you um, you know shared that, Anne. That's uh, very, very beautiful. And um, I, I wanted to you know also piggyback on that, too, because of the of the, uh, really, you know, the Old Testament part of that. There's, there's th This actually first half of the Great Commandment comes from the Old Testament, too. Jesus is referring to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And uh, for, for those of you who um, may not be quite familiar with that, it's, it's very, um, it, it's, it's very, very, similar to what you just heard and read uh, and it just it just is very simply this here O Israel here the the Lord is our God the Lord alone therefore you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart with your whole being with your whole strength and it continues then in uh, verse 6 this take to heart these words which I command to you today keep repeating Keep repeating them to your children. Recite them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them on your arm as a sign and let them be a, as a pendant on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Isn't that beautiful? You know, uh, yes. that, ex that, that, that extension. But I think, you know, to, to your point, Anne, um, you know, this, 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 um, this commandment that Jesus lays out is 
not necessarily one that is that is easy, right? Uh, it's not it's not one that is easy to to follow. And I I liked a little bit at the end of your scripture too about you know Jesus saying to them, you know, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven, right? Like like that's a that's a very insightful thing from our Lord as well. Yes, exactly. And um, I'm also reading from what this priest that I just told you at the beginning and the audience here, that his name again is Father Hugh Barbour. And this is from Catholic.com, just so you know that I'm not kind of uh, writing this myself or didn't make it up. But uh, one of the things that he says in this article, uh, he, he says, now this is regarding his own podcast that he did about this one. He said, what is interesting and compelling about this episode is, however, not only our Lord's sound response, but his further assertion to the scribe who posed the question in the first place. In response to the scribe's approval, he said, does not say thanks. Rather, he takes the role of the teacher himself and assures him author authoritatively that he's, quote, not far from the kingdom of God. This is something that no mere rabbi or teacher could say, but rather only one who can guarantee the salvation of the questioner. And I think that's important for us because if we really understand that Jesus is speaking with authority when he's telling him that these two great commandments have a very important bearing on, on our understanding the mission of life mm -hmm. and the mission of getting to heaven someday, right? Yeah. When we know that Jesus is the one that said it, and he said it with authority, it's really something for us to think about. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really something for us to think about. And, and, and know that, again, when Jesus is saying that, when, when you hear those words, you know, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven, um, you know, that, that should be striking to us. You know, the, the other thing is, I think, the importance of it from, from the Old Testament perspective, right? I mean, when you read this in Deuteronomy and then in chapters, or in uh, verses 6 and 7 of, of chapter 6, when it talks about, you know, take to heart these words which I command to you today, keep repeating them to your children, recite them when you are at home, when you're away, when you lie down, and when you get up, bind them on your arm as a sign and let them be as a pendant on your forehead. Like, this is clearly important stuff. This is not just something that we say, oh, you know, um, let's, you know, you know, let's bury this in, you know, the middle of, um, you know, the Bible somewhere where, you know, nobody knows, knows this verse exists. No, this is spe special attention, and Jesus knows it so much that he draws attention to it in, in, in the New Testament, in, in his words. He draws, uh, you know, you know, he goes back to it. He says, you know what, no, this one is so important, and and because it's so important, uh, this is going to be one of those keys to getting into heaven, right? And the other thing I think when I think of this, and too, is how much it sums up the entire Christian life. I know I said that, you know, a little bit ago, but the reality is, is that, you know, Jesus takes the law, especially the Ten Commandments that, that we're so familiar hearing, right, uh, you know, and, and that we know. He, he, he takes them and really divides them up into two categories, right? And, and as Catholics and Christians, we say that the first three kind of meet, you know, uh, right? I, I think it's the first three, depending on how you break them down. Um, you know, if you're, if you're Protestant listening to this, it, it's the first three commandments for us as Catholics that, that break down our relationship with God, and then the other seven break down our relationship with our brothers and sisters. And so... Um, you know, Jesus takes that law, he takes the, that law, but really all the other different laws that are um, all over the Bible, right? You know, the many different laws that are all over, and he shrinks it down to just these two commandments. And in number one, really, is that we have to love God. We have to love God with our whole heart and our whole mind and our whole strength. That, that is so important. And so what does that look like? You know, what does loving God look like? Um, you know, I, maybe I'll pose that question to you, Anne. What does loving God look like, and how do we love God? Yeah, I was just thinking about it as you were talking. I was thinking about, I think we first have to look at the words that love, love means willing the best for and sacrificing for. And when we love God, right, we will sacrifice for him too. So he's not just sacrificed for us and that he gave us his son, his son died for us for our sins. We also are called to sacrifice for him 
for the good that he's done for us, for the good of salvation of all. So we imitate him by loving him back in the same way. And I think the first step is, I don't know about for you, Bill, but I think it's an acknowledgement of God in your everyday circumstance. Because if you think about it, if we don't focus on God, I think vices come in pretty quickly for all of us. We begin to do things, say things, think things that are really not in line with what God would want. You know, I, I sometimes say to my family, like when we're eating dinner or when we're having conversations or when we're just simply hanging out in the house, just saying, let's remember the presence of God when we do, when we do, do things together and when we talk about things. Because sometimes conversations and actions can go way off base when we're not focusing on the fact that God is present, Right. You can begin to get into things like negative discussion about other people or about their lives, uh, or we talk about things that are a little too secular, if you know what I mean. We, mm -hmm. we begin to forget the fact that God has a say in what's going on in society, and we, we tend to become a little bit too secularized and not thinking like human beings do and not thinking as God does, if you know what, I'm, what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I totally agree with you, Anne. And, um, you know, I think remembering God at all moments of our lives, as our friend, you know, Kendra Von Esch would always tell us, uh, she'd always say, especially on our different radio programs, she would always say that, you know, we're, we're commanded to pray unceasingly by St. Paul. And that's a big, tall task, unless we realize that God is in every moment of our lives, and that he wants to be you know, invited into every moment by us. And so I think that's really important to, to, you know, to remember is that, just as you said it right there, every, you know, put God into every, remember the presence of God, put God into those situations, those, those moments. You know, and the other thing I think, and I've been thinking a lot about it now because I have, um, you know, Elvin here with me in my arms, uh, you know, being able to hold him and, and instruct him as a father, you know, um, you know, one of the things I constantly think about is, you know, that that what are what what do we want um, our our children to pursue? What do we want our children to pursue? Um, you know, and and I I've have been thinking about and looking a lot at, you know, that that we need to pursue God. You know, we need to pursue God. You know, the world will tell us to pursue happiness, right? Pursue, um, you know, this, this momentary in, instant gratification. That's what the world tells us to pursue. But if we pursue God, if we pursue a, a relationship and a life with him, then um, everything else seem, seems to fall into place. And that's, and that's part of what that line from Deuteronomy, that, that verse uh, 6 uh, chapter 6, verse 5 is all about, right? It's, love the Lord, your God, with your whole heart, with your whole being, and with your whole strength. You know, that, that to me sounds like per pursuing God. That to me sounds like desiring a relationship with Him beyond everything else. And, you know, we, we oftentimes pursue the wrong things. And, and I've said this before to teenagers, and I've said this before to people. I I often say, you know, it is impossible to be happy your entire life. You want me to prove it to you? I can prove it to you. Have Have you been happy your entire past? No, right? You've had sadness in your past. You, you you've had frustration. You know, so so your entire past hasn't been happy. Are you happy right now? Like, is the emotion that you're feeling happiness right now? Hmm, most likely not. Like, you know, you're listening to our podcast, sowing hope. You, you might be, you know, doing the dishes. You might be chopping up onions for dinner. You might be doing something. Is that, is that happiness? It, it, you know, it, is that real happiness? Mm, probably not, you know. So, therefore, I can tell you that, you know, two plus two does not equal five, folks. You know, you're not going to be happy the rest of your life. And because for the simple fact, you're probably not happiness. The emotion's not happy right now. And the... Um, and I know that you've had sadness and frustration in your life pre previous. So if you continue to pursue 
the instant gratification of the world, this happiness of the world, whatever you want to call it, I- if you pursue all that, it's just going to lead to emptiness. But if you pursue God with that whole heart, whole strength, and, and whole being, like in Deuteronomy, then what's going to happen is you're going to find love, find true love, and fall in love with the God that can sustain you through your life. Yeah, well said, because, you know, love is not really a feeling. I think it can be. I mean, you can certainly feel love at times in your life. There's times when you have a great moment with another person, whether it's a spouse, a child, a parent, a good friend of yours, whoever it is. I mean, you can certainly feel the, the feeling of love. But most of all, love is God, just like you've heard it so many times. God is love. Love is God. So what is God? God is that all-powerful person, the Trinity, that's with you always. And that's not a feeling. That is a a sense of being. That is who God is, right? That is the whole essence of who he is. He is spirit. He is with you. And, um, you know, even if you're not feeling that sort of, as you said, that happy feeling, Bill, as you mentioned, uh, it doesn't matter because I, I don't know about for you, but there's been times in my life where I was very sad, but yet I could still feel God. Yeah. I could still feel his presence. So the happiness doesn't equate always with with God. Yeah. Certainly you can feel a sense of happiness because of your faith. But oh, just sure. because you're sad, it doesn't mean God isn't there and he's not still with you and and walking beside you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's not just the, I, I think the important thing to know about that too is that, you know, as you just said, you know, you've had some sadness in your life, but you've been able to feel God. You know, you've been able to feel his presence. And, you know, I, I, I think for a lot of people out there, you know, they, they equate this, it really comes down to emotionalism because we are so, because we are so wrapped up in feelings, our culture is so wrapped up with if it feels good, then then it must be good. We must do it, you know, um, and 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 that right there is one of the you know biggest lies <laughs> that our culture can tell us, right? Uh, and and unfortunately, so many of us have fallen into that. I know I have fallen into it multiple times in my life. You know, uh, I, I have the tendency to want a ton of technology. Like when it comes out, I want it. I, I, I don't, you know, and, and I only go to realize that, you know, the next iPhone is going to come out in, you know, next, next year, it's going to be better than the one I have, you know, but, but, but if we slow ourselves down and we say, you know what, do I, do I really want to pursue the latest version of the iPhone or can I get away with the one I've got now, trust God that it's going to give me the ability to communicate with my family and my friends just like the latest, greatest one that, that, that is out there. And, and I think that there's, there's a lot of lessons to learn in that. It's not, it's not necessarily easy um, but I will, but I, but I will say, and I think that if, if we all took that mindset, it's, you know, the, the longer approach to our, to our joy versus happiness, right? Like, you know, you mentioned that, you know, okay, we had some sadness and, and you could see God, you know, feel God. Imagine what it was like for Jesus on the cross, right? Like imagine what it was like for him on the cross. And, you know, you open up to, I think it's John chapter 14, or John chapter 15, and he, and he talks a lot about um, what is going to give you complete joy is laying down your life for your friends. Well, Jesus laid his life down for all of us. <laughs> he, he suffered and died for all of us. And so that joy that he lays down his life for his friends, it gives him joy, but I guarantee he wasn't happy. I guarantee you he wasn't, you know, he was, you know, screaming in agony on the cross, right? But but he had joy still in his heart because he had this this love that couldn't be contained. And so, you know, if you want to have true joy in your life, you've got to look at the model of Jesus and not go for the temporary fixes, but put your all all your hope, all your trust, all your faith, all your strength in God. 
And I think when you do that, you're going to see that almost everything else doesn't matter. Almost everything else doesn't matter in life. Yeah, well said. And you know what? It's not an easy thing to do. And I want to make a shout out to parents because I do think that it makes a huge difference when you teach your children at a young age about God's presence because that's something that they'll take with them for the rest of their lives because when it comes to that very first commandment to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, when you already have been introduced to the idea and the presence of God in your life and that he's given you everything. I remember when my kids were little uh, and I have to say, uh, I did teach both of my two daughters about God and about Jesus pretty much from the time they were born. And the way that I did it was uh, we started out by looking up at the sky and, and teaching them about God and heaven and the existence of heaven. And, and if a deceased relative died, I would teach them that, you know, no, they're not here on earth anymore. Now, I didn't get into purgatory at a young age, right? But I mean, you can talk about the fact that uh, that uh, as Catholics, we believe that you know, if we if we're following these two great commandments, right, and if we're following what we're taught as Catholics and and as people of good faith and goodwill, that heaven's doors can open, Bill. And I think that when you teach kids about God at a young age. Uh, it is a very important thing. Now, I, if I could, Bill, I also found something on the topic that you had about Jesus and his sacrifice. This is, again, from the Catholic.com, the greatest commandment from the priest named Father Hugh Barbour. Uh, let me get back to what I wanted to say here about it. Um, he had a reflection about Christ and about Christ's uh, sacrifice. And um, give me one second here. I apologize. I usually have it right there in front of me. Um, but he's saying, if you want to get your catechism questions right, then remember that for Jesus, who shows us his loving heart and pours out from, from it his blood shed for us, the only ultimate point to any question and answer is that we are loved and that we love with his love. This is the first and greatest commandment. His own word confirms it. So if we have, quote, doctrinal questions or apparent doubts, let's keep in mind that all the while we, we will be fine as long as we profess our love for him and fulfill his commandment to love our neighbor and to love him too, obviously. I wanted to just bring that up because I think that had something to do with what you were talking about, Jesus' sacrifice. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, that, you know, that's beautiful. Um, and I think when you, when you um, you know, talk about, Christ's sacrifice again, just like you were saying and and reading, uh, th these these things are are of like th what we should be putting in our mind first, right? Like it, if you live like that, I, you know, I I have a um, <laughs> a very good friend. Uh, she's her actually your daughter's been on the program, right? Uh, Kennedy Hare has been on the program before, uh, but but my friend Judy Hare. Um, she has a whole talk and a whole um, ministry, and I do encourage you to head over to her website, judyhair.com. But she, but one of the titles of one of her talks is Living Like You're Forgiven. Living Like You're Forgiven is one of the titles of her talks. And um, it, first of all, it's a beautiful talk, but, um, but, but understanding that when, when you step into this life with Christ, uh, when you step into this... Um, understanding of of Christ's sacrifice and what he's done for you then it frees you isn't there a freedom man to 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 living um knowing that you've been forgiven for you know your your past sins knowing that God is now with you and that you can move forward in true joy to live with your with your whole heart for God right like like there's this there's this freedom, you know, you know, like I was talking about a little bit earlier with like all the different attachments, right? Like we, you know, we, we, we go for those things of instant gratification. Once those things no longer have the, the same meaning, you know, once, once we've redirected our pursuit f to, fr from the things that we think 
are going to give us happiness to the thing that is actually going to give us the true joy. Once we've shifted our compass, once we've changed that around, right, then then our orientation becomes um, in a way that enables us to live with freedom, unattached to all of the things that don't matter, you know, and and that is what Christ does for us through through the cross. It actually, you know, it, it, it frees us from from that slavery to sin. In fact, I wanted to read for you that that verse that I was referencing earlier. It is from chapter 15 of of John. And it's and it's about this. Right. It's talking about um, this this joy. It's chapter. Uh, I'm going to start with verse um, 10 of chapter 15. It says this. If you keep my commandments hint, hint, the great commandment, right? You will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. You know, this, this little blurb, I mean, it's one of my favorite Bible passages, one of my favorite ones that I go to. But um, the reason why I love it so very much is because, you know, how do we get the joy? The, the joy is following the commandment. What is the commandment? It's like what we're talking about right now. Loving God with our whole heart, of course, then Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, which we will certainly, um, you know, that that is a great foreshadowing into next week's, uh, you know, part or, or Thursday's part, I should say, uh, where we will, you know, unpack uh, loving our neighbor as ourselves, because that's what Jesus does, uh, you know, for us, too. He helps us love our neighbor uh, like 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 he loved us. But um you know, this, this is such an important thing to understand that loving God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole strength, our whole being, all of these things um, are, are so important for us to gain that freedom, right? He talks about slavery at the end of that passage. He talks about slavery. I no longer call you slaves. You're, you're, you're no longer attached to these things of the world, right? I have told you what's going to give you true happiness. I have told you everything I've heard from my Father. I have told you what's going to bring you, you know, peace and, and joy in your life. It's not, it's not the latest iPhone. It's not the fastest computer. You know, those are my weaknesses, right? But, but you have, might have different ones out there. I don't know what some of yours are. I don't know where your traps are, where this culture of instant gratification has got you, you know, in, enslaved to it. It's got me in certain spots. But I know that when I slow myself down and I say, you know what, Jesus is number one, God is number one, it will always be number one, then everything else seemingly falls into place. And I don't feel enslaved to those things anymore. Yeah, and it's good that you brought that to the forefront because all of us have something. I don't know what it is, but whether it's a physical thing like an iPhone, right, <laughs> or it could be some hobby that you do or some sinful thing that you do too. I mean, there's people that do things that are outright sinful, right? That, uh, that are attachments that they have, but then there's also things that aren't sinful, but we just haven't attached them to them. Right. Like you said, like that iPhone, the iPhone itself and wanting it isn't so much like a big, huge mortal sin. Right. But it's that you want that iPhone maybe a little too much and you put that in front of God, your love of God. I mean, we all do things like that, but, that's why we have to talk about this commandment because it's so important. And Bill, I just want to backtrack if I could. I think one of the biggest things that we can do as a member of a family, whether you're a parent, whether you're a, a child in a family, or whether you're a grandparent, is teach your family and, and live also according to the fact that God is present when you're with people, right? Because I think sometimes we can get into these conversations and into these um, gatherings where you just don't feel that presence because people are either gossiping about somebody or that's something. And you, you all know what I'm talking about sometimes. That can happen too uh, when people talk about 
secular things. Oh, let's talk about this movie. And the movie is just a terrible movie. Right. Uh, and you don't feel comfortable talking about it, you know, and um, and I'm not suggesting that it's it's wrong to talk about things that are sinful, because sometimes we need to kind of address something. Right. You need to address the fact that something is wrong or against God. But the point of it is, is that when you're with people or when you're having conversations where people are not honoring God in that conversation, that's when we need to turn around and say, you know what, we need to go in a better and more positive direction. So I think that's a good first step. Bill, if I could read one more thing that I found, and this is from the Mary Foundation at Catholicity.com. It says that what are, excuse me, what must we do to love God, our neighbor and ourselves? And I think they say, say it very well in these two points. Number one is to love God, our neighbor and ourselves. We must keep the commandments of God and of the church and perform the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. And then it goes on with a Bible verse that says, my, my dear children, let us love, not love, excuse me, let us not love in word, neither with the tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's from first John three eighteen. One more thing um, that the, it says, what are the chief corporal works of mercy and the chief spiritual works of mercy? I just want to read them off because these are things that when we love God, we do and we act like God, we act as he would, right? Yeah. Um, and those things are feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, visiting the imprisoned, sheltering the homeless, visiting the sick, burying the dead. Spiritual works of mercy are admonishing the sinner, instructing the ignorant, counseling the doubtful, comforting the sorrowful, bearing wrongs patiently, forgiving all injuries, and to praying for the living and dead. If I could just make one more point is that, Bill, you know that I just wrote a book about all of this. Yeah, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> and um, I just want to bring that up for the listeners that um, my book is now published. It's called Love and Care for the Marginalized. And it is a book about being a support, a spiritual and prayerful support to those who do not have the love and support that they deserve. If I could say that's what the book is about. How many people do you know that I know? that don't have the, the love and care and support that they deserve. And that's what, when you say, when we say the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, that's what it's all about. Mm. That's what it's about to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. It doesn't mean that I hand somebody a Bible or a catechism and say, now make sure you understand this. Right. That's a good thing. But, but we, we also have to do it by word and deed too right? Yes. You got to live it out. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing I want to point out that's so important in that um, is that, you know, God does come with a, a face, right? He does come with a, um, a, a face. Yes, he came in the person of Jesus Christ. He, he did. He did that, right? He physically incarn incarnate, right? God among us. Emmanuel, right? Like, that's what that means. But um, he also has a face in our brothers and sisters, too. And so, you know, your, your book, Anne, is, is beautiful, and it's such an important book. Um, so I do encourage people to go over to your website, andesennis.com, and get it. Um, but, I, but, but, it, but it's also just important for us to remember that, you know, when, when we look into the eyes of our brother and our sister— of our mother, our father, our friends, our family, extended family, we we are looking into the face of Christ. When we look into the eyes of a homeless person, we are looking into the face of Christ. There is, you know, there is not a person on this planet, not a single person on this planet that God doesn't love. Mm, God loves God loves everybody. Now, 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 He doesn't want you to dwell in sin he doesn't want you to you know he, he doesn't want people to wallow in their sin um he, he he calls us to much better things right but but he loves you no matter what and he loves every person you know no matter what i remember a very smart brother um brother martin schmitz um when i was living at marytown uh, in resident discernment for the priesthood you know, he said something that stuck with me one day. I was actually in the vestibule of Marytown. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I was just 
having this conversation with him um, in the vestibule, and he said, you know, um, just just in case you're wondering, you know, like, if if your eternal destiny was already decided, you wouldn't still be here. You wouldn't still be here. Your heart wouldn't be beating anymore. And, you know, that really stuck with me. It's like, you know what? Everybody's heart that is beating, everyone that's alive right now, God is giving another heartbeat, another breath to you to grow closer to him, right? And, that, you know, that's, that's striking, you know, for, for yourself because it's like, okay, I, I still have a mission. I still have a mission that God wants me to do my, because my heart is still beating. But when you look at it, especially in light of your enemies or in light of other people that are out there in the world that maybe you don't necessarily agree with, God, ha- God is giving them an opportunity to grow closer to him as well. Their eternal destiny has not been decided. Yeah, they might be, you know, way off base in your opinion. <laughs> they might be uh, doing things that are sinful and horrible and evil. They, they might be. But the mere fact that their heart is still beating, God is giving them a chance to turn it all around. And, and I think for us, in, in that first commandment, the, first ha- the greatest commandment in the first half of it, to love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, right? Like, that right there is what we should be calling all people to do. And so when we encounter those people who are on the opposite side, <laughs> you know, the... We, we can go ahead and say it. There, there are Satanists alive. There are, there are witches and, and people who are opposing God, right? God has, their hearts are still beating. <laughs> their hearts are still beating because God, and only God, <laughs> is giving them a chance to turn it all around. Are you going to be the agent that shows the love of God and reveals God's love to, to their heart, you know, not, not the condemnation, not the judgment, not the, right, and, you know, I, my, my mind is going to, you know, the political situations we are, and I don't want to get political, but the reality is, is that we, you know, are, is, is our mind going there, okay, yeah, I need to, you know, correct this, I need to do this, I need to, I need to show this person that they're wrong, or is it, I am going to reveal God's love to, to them, I'm going to show them how much they are loved by God, that they only have one way to go toward God, you know, and, and, you know, just, just think about how you relate to those people that frustrate you. And, and we don't have to go to politicians and, and, and public figures. We don't have to do that. We, we can go to the people right now in our own life that are those people who frustrate the tar out of us. Our, our, our crazy aunts and uncles are, are, you know, some of our children, whatever, whatever it might be. How are you going to reveal God's love to their heart that so so powerfully that they only have one way to go, and that's turn closer to God? You know, I I, I think if we do that, our our society is just going to reap the benefits of it, and and we're going to see God appear amongst among us. Just that's what's going to happen. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, you gave me a lot to think about with what you just said. And, you know, I've heard this before. Now, I'm probably not going to say this exactly correctly, but I have heard before that the opposite of love is not hate like we would think. It is more of an indifference. Is I think that's what it is. But yeah. I could be wrong, but I think the word was indifference. But with that, I'd like to say that when we think of the word hate or indifference, whatever it is, um, you know, you can think of instances when you were in school, when you were on a Zoom call with a bunch of friends, with your extended family, even inside your own house where, you know, let's face it, people do talk about other people and they do. Um, they gossip about people. They don't like this person or that person for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they don't agree with them politically or religious wise or uh, or they just there's something about the person's personality that they just can't stand. You know, so if we really want to imitate Christ, I think we can look at one of the saints, something like a Saint uh, Therese of Lisieux, who really taught 
taught us and teaches us, continues to teach us that we need to be gentle and kind and a good listener, caring, loving, and non-judgmental. Now, does that mean that we suddenly don't believe in all the doctrines and all the rules of the church and everything that we believe as Catholics because we're being so docile to being a listener to somebody else and what they think and believe? No, we still believe what we believe, right? We firmly believe it. But I think first and foremost, we, it's a respect that you show for someone else that you're at least able to listen to someone else's side without condemning them without having to say, well, you know what, you better change your mind because I'm right about this or that. Um, and I also think that when I get back to, um, and I, excuse me, when I uh, reflected a little while ago about teaching your kids, I do think another thing that we can teach our kids is not to hate others, you know, and to be good people and to give people the benefit of the doubt and to not be indifferent either by, with, with others. Because like Bill said, God created every single human being. He created people who are like us, and he created people who are not like us. So therefore, we still have to have that respect that even if by the end of their lives, they don't sort of hop the fence and become exactly like us in every way, right? And believe exactly as we believe. That's not what we're called to do. To evangelize them, we're simply called to love them, care about them, love and care for those marginalized people, and to live out our Catholic faith. And yes, it, to evangelize too. It's very important for to evangelize. But the way we evangelize is through, honestly, it is through those corporal and spiritual works of mercy. That's how we evangelize. Amen. Amen. You know what? You, you couldn't have said it any better. And that's, that's the Thanks way we evangelize. So it's the way we evangelize. By doing God's work on earth. You know, you don't need a theology degree. You don't need a, uh, you know, a position of power. You don't have to be a bishop, a priest. You know, you don't have to do any of those things. You know, I mean, if you are, congratulations. Thank you for your service, uh, you know, to the church. But the reality is, is that in order to do God, God's work on earth, you don't need anything. You know, some of the most humble, simplest people have done incredible good on this earth because they are listening to that and they're doing the corporal works of mercy. They're doing the spiritual works of mercy, right? Like, that, that is such an important point to, uh, that, that Anne just made. It's such an important point that the best way to evangelize is to do the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Um, that... I think if we all do that this week, like if we all put our minds to that this week, and, you know, the other thing is we often get, you know, like we have to do everything in, in once and at once. And we have, you know, we have to become a totally different person overnight. Like that's another lie of our culture, right? Like either you can't change or you can change, but that magical change is going to happen so fast. It's going to be so instantaneous you know, it's this Disney magic kind of change where we watch, you know, this ugly beast turn into uh, this fan fantastic prince before our eyes in, you know, in, in 30 seconds. Um, like, that right there is is not how it all happens. You know, you think, oh my gosh, we got to just make this, you know, 180, like, bam. A lot of times it's not like that. It's a slow, methodical change based upon doing one thing at a time really well you know if if you want to quit smoking you gotta put the cigarette down right like that's like like, like it, it, it it's one action right and you know it, it, if you want to quit this activity in your life or if you want to change something about you if you want to add it in it's it, it's doing one simple action over and over and over and over again until it becomes that habit. Um, and, and I think that that's really important to remember, too, that, you know, this, th th this fantastic, magical transformation where you're going to be all of a sudden be become a new person in the next 30 seconds, it, it, it's going to take a little more work than that. It's going to take a little bit more determination than that. And that is how holiness works, too.
I think I've mentioned this book before uh, on the air, but uh, it's a wonderful book if you haven't read it. It's called uh, The Biggest Lie in the History of Christianity, uh, The Biggest Lie in the History of Christianity by Matthew Kelly. And I encourage everybody to read it because, um, you know, it, it really talks about the little things we do to become holier in each moment. Um, and, and it's a short book. It's a powerful book. Uh, but I encourage people to do that. But, yeah, um, you know, they, this has been so much fun talking about God's love <laughs> with you. And thank you uh, for doing this and, and, and talking about how we love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole strength, and our whole being. Yes, I've enjoyed this, Bill. I like to do the podcasts that we've done before, say, like the Beatitudes and the Four Marks of the Church and this and this series of the Two Great Commandments. So. Thanks for inviting me, and I'm looking forward to talking again on Thursday about that second one, which is to love our neighbor as ourself. That's going to be a good podcast. Absolutely it is. Well, folks, uh, we thank you so very much for tuning in and listening. As always, know that you can head over to our website, uh, which uh, very simply is patchworkheart.org or andysantis.com to learn more about uh, the wonderful things we're doing, uh, especially get a copy of Anne's book that she mentioned, uh, which is Love and Care for the Marginalized. Uh, make sure you do that. Head over to her website. Uh, it, it's a fantastic book, and it's got some great reflections in it. Uh, but we really do appreciate you tuning in, and thank you for all your prayers uh, and all of your uh, just great listenership over the past uh, 136 episodes, and we'll see you on Thursday. Thank you so very much. Until then, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos too.